This is Commander Strax, in the guise of his pitiful human alter ego, Dan Starkey. Remember, use your powers only for good, or you will be obliterated in the most merciless way credible. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. <laughs> Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, all the way from Gallifrey. And here's your host, Derek McCaw. That's right. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And we are indeed podcasting from Gallifrey. Actually, Gallifrey 1. It's now post 26 26 years of a Los Angeles-based Doctor Who convention. Very exciting because this is the first time that I've been at one. And as I... uh, that I really want to get the most out of this. Yes. But across, and no guest sleep, announcing no this week because, no, I will shower, uh, because uh, Nate Costa will not have anything to do with Doctor Who. He is not <laughs> here. Instead, we have podcast producer stepping in as announcer. Rick Brett Snyder. I've been here twice before this. Twice. I know. Well, what's fascinating is we were just in that room where they asked, how many people is this the first Gallifrey won for it, and it looked like about half the room. I, I think it was at least half the room. Which is amazing. And we'll probably talk Although, more after this experience about how, if you notice in the guide, back page is thing about how conventions are changing. And we, I think we'll have an interesting conversation about how conventions are changing as things get more popular and so forth. So I, this is almost like the first time I attended Comic-Con where it's like, maybe am I just on the cusp of the way things used to be and it's about to become something completely different? Well, one thing about this convention is it's huge. It's, it's, it's maxing out this, uh, the, it's the uh, L.A. Airport Marriott. Yeah. And Don't tell me where we are. One of the reasons why that, that population in there was so many newbies is that all the people who are not there are already lining up for other, other things. Um, for That's previous years, too. they know how hard it is to get into some of the some of the rooms. They will shut down rooms when they're too full, and so if you want to see something, you need to get there early. Leave your previous panel to perhaps if it's going to be really popular, because some of the rooms are quite small. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm going to experiment. But well, we got go some run. other people at the table. Yes. All right, and we, we do have we are we uh, have. The people ask every now and then, right in, what happened to our archivist and, and podcast lighting designer? And she's here at Gallifrey One. Hi, I'm Stephanie Rodriguez. And that may be the last Still time we hear talking. from her. Yeah. <laughs> she, she mimes through the podcast. But so. no, she's doing a fantastic job on these filters. You've never looked lovelier, Rick. Thank you. And speaking of never looking lovelier, across from us, oh, I just noticed the, Did you the, notice the, the TARDIS in the hat pin. Debbie Brechtschneider. All right. And that won't be the last time we hear Probably from her. Probably not. <laughs> She's saying yes, but her eyes say no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So we have a little bit of news we wanted to talk about before we, we break news. off to be doing things. Well, I say a little bit of news, but it is big news. Um, Rick Brechtschneider believes in God again this week because, <laughs> uh, or at least Stan Lee, because... Uh, Wait. Mark, it's not the same thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there we go. Of us. See? Uh, 
Marvel and Sony and Disney announced, because there was a quote from everybody, it's, uh, announced this week that, yes, indeed, they have struck a deal for Spider-Man to return, essentially, into the control of Marvel Studios, even though Sony is in, in charge. So go ahead. No, I... I, 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 I feel like you're about to explode. No, it's, yes, it's, it's, I want to scream! I, I think that any time Marvel and DC and Sony get in bed together, it's going to be the world's amazing... Uh, Marvel and Disney, not Disney, Marvel and Disney. DC. Mar- that's that going to happen, yeah. though. Next, that's next, one, happen. next one is Marvel, DC, and, uh, and Disney. Spider-Man returns to the Marvel Universe, uh, and I just want to say, I haven't had a chance to post up that uh, Variety actually ran an article on Wednesday night that said that they that Sony was indeed considering Miles Morales. They're trying to decide. They know for sure they want to return the character to high school and focus more on what is it lo- what would it be like to have the superpowers. If I was them, be in high school, I would go ahead and start with Peter Parker and in the in the scope of that story introduce Miles because then you bridge it. I think there's a transition. I don't need an origin. You don't try. You don't try. You don't try and say this universe there is no Peter Parker. There's only Miles Morales because a large part of what makes up Miles is the inspiration of, of Peter. Peter. So I could see that. And, and that's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe plan, which I don't think Sony's ever really had. That makes more sense. Yes. You can, uh, Marvel is clearly laying out that they're going to have a next generation of heroes because Robert Downey Jr. can't be Iron Man forever. He can be Tony Stark until he dies, but he can't be believably Iron Man. Yeah. And Captain America is also a legacy. And again, the thing with the movie, movie universe versus the comic universe is... You don't have to recast the character. A new character can become that superhero. I actually, I have a, I have a theory of how to take the Stark story forward, and it's right out of the comics. Does it involve Arno? It definitely involves okay, Arno. So there you go. That, that you just have Arno take over. The but city. the more exciting thing is, which is an interesting storyline for people who are physically challenged. Okay. What we're going to see, in what we do know for sure, is that they've announced that Spider-Man will first appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Captain America Civil War before spinning back into Sony-produced films, which Kevin Feige will still be overseeing, with Amy Pascal, who has now stepped down as the chief uh, studio executive for Sony. So... Um, they say that it's going to be Civil War, but I'm telling you there's still time for Avengers Age of Ultron to have a tag without having cast an actor yes. to have Spider-Man swing by post-credits. And the reason they, I think awesome. they have to do it is because it, if I've seen a lot of chatter online of people going like, oh, he's just going to be in the tag of Civil War. And I'm like, no, because then everybody's going to sit through Civil War going, where's Spider-Man? Where's Spider-Man? Where's Spider-Man? <laughs> and the tags are supposed to be a surprise. So I could very well be wrong because, again, I have to give the caveat. I have no special insider knowledge, but I'm going to bet that, uh, that that's where the surprise will be and you don't have to have an actor Alternate for it. theory? Spider-Man's in the movie? The tag is Miles. That could be as well. What we do know is they haven't cast a Peter Parker yet, and so that's what they have to make sure is you know they're looking for someone to play Peter Parker, and there's not time for someone to play Peter Parker before Avengers: Age of Ultron, right? Because if they cast, you know, no one's going to be a secret surprise <laughs> of like who's showing up. What Brad Pitt is Peter Parker? One guy, one pit? guy in the audience goes, "What?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it has to be an absolute surprise. But the way the studio machine works now is when Peter Par- when Peter Parker is cast, that's going to be a major announcement. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be a major major Definitely. announcement. So we're very excited about that. Uh, that moves things forward. It does shift some of the other movies back, and people are saying, "Well, it's impact." I'm like, no, it's because now Marvel, it's in Marvel's own best interest 
to reevaluate how many Marvel movies are they releasing a year when Sony's Spider-Man becomes one of those Marvel movies again. Do you think there's an argument against Andrew Garfield just continuing? Oh, he's gone. For a bit? He's, he's definitely gone. gone? He's okay. definitely gone. Okay. Uh, the rumor had been for months that Sony was not happy with him as a person. Oh. He was not playing game. He was not showing up to studio events where they wanted him to be kind of oh, the, 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 the pretty pretty pony yeah. and, he did, and when he didn't know what was going on which from his side is like you don't know what's going on with me I don't know what's going on with me why should I take why time should, out of yeah, my exactly. schedule to do this uh, but it was to please stockholders so they were displeased uh, but he's also 31 and if they want to go back to high school well no yeah Definitely. You know, it, it's really hard to put. But he looks really young. He does, but I think they want to put, they, they just want to start fresh because as much as I liked Amazing Spider-Man 2, I won't speak for anyone else at this table, I know that I'm in the minority for oh, having liked time. it. You know, I mean, that's just, that's it. And, and so the studio sees it as they need to start fresh again, whether I agree or not. Speaking of a studio that started fresh again, it's not on our notes, but I want to mention how, for, for Nate, how poor the promotion is for Fantastic Four. Not only will it tank because the movie sucks, but my son and I just went to see Spongebob, and in the movie theater was the poster for Fantastic Four. Yeah. did not catch the attention of a 10-year-old at all. Wow. Fox, what the he hell right are you it. thinking? He walked right by it, had no idea that that was a poster for Fantastic Four. They were using four. that Fantastic with the number four in the A thing? It's just four in a box, and then it says from the makers of oh, Days of Future Past and Tiny worse. Type. There's nothing that catches yeah. you. Because you know what other movie had four in it? I am number four. And we know that movie sucked because everyone at the table is giving me a blank stare. And I'm going, yes, that was a young adult novel designed to create a whole new franchise that tanked horribly. Right. So, you, you know what, Fox? You might want to consider actually showing a character that will catch a, a, a kid's attention. And then there was John Carter 4. That, that's it in the universe where everything <laughs> went right. No, it was John Carter of Mars 4. <laughs> it was not John Carter alone. It was JC4. So, the, the third movie sequel to ER. So, so just a uh, quick update on uh, Gallifrey. So there's a line forming behind us, and it turns out it's actually a line to get into the dealer's room when it opens at 11. Wow. Because they were... So I went over and chatted with some gentlemen there in the front of the line. But they, because they say there's some stuff that sells out. Oh, there is, definitely. And so uh, there actually there's actually a line to get into the dealer's room. I have been to several years of comic conventions. I've gone to Baycom. This is the most dangerous dealer's room I've ever dared to oh, walk yeah, yeah. into. Yeah, because it's all British import stuff, too. It's all things I want. Yes. Oh, you, you betcha. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if I will spend money or just pass out and have that <laughs> finally have that aneurysm within five minutes of walking in. I'm pulled in seven directions at once. <laughs> <laughs> I explode. And like a Lego Doctor Who game, which we can hope would happen, uh, I will reform later in another well, they part are of, making a they Lego are, Doctor Who set. They are making so, a Lego yeah. Doctor Who set for next year. It looks oh, this cool. year. It is this year? I think it's this oh, year. Oh, Lord. Okay. Start saving your pennies now, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, other big news. Uh, Marvel has uh, allied itself with Scribd. Scribd? We're not S-C-R-I-B-D. sure. S-C-R-I-B-D. S-C-R-I-B-D. Sometimes apostrophe D. I've seen it, too, but I'm not sure about That's that. That's probably more a logo. Yeah. You can't do an apostrophe in a URL. No. No. But, yeah, Scribd.com. S-C-R-I-B-D. So it's an online subscription service, $9 a month, unlimited everything? Yeah, it, and in fact, it, I mean, there's precedence for this. Of course, we've all seen Netflix, and, and Marvel has their their unlimited, Marvel Unlimited, where you can yeah. go in and read their archives for free, and you can download up to ten at a time. The um, the thing about this service, and uh, you know, 
we were seeing it uh, last uh, this past week with people saying, "Is it's the end of printed comics, free comics online?" Yeah. Number one, in looking through the stuff they had, I couldn't see anything fresher than like eight months ago. Okay. So, you know, it, my take on this is this is a service for the people who are potentially just buying graphic novels because that was where it shined. There were, I mean, you could you could go in and read all of the. It's essentially Netflix for graphic novels. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there there was a lot of single issues and stuff, and but what's really amazing about this service is it's just about, with the exception of movies, and an actual music, it's just about every kind of e media you could want to download and listen. So they had electronic books and a good collection of them. They had audio books. Because I got caught up in the audio version of Neil Gaiman's Ocean at the End of the Lane mm-hmm. that was read by Neil Gaiman, and that's just a magical experience. But um, also, just I was just browsing through, and I found like the Doctor Doom miniseries, the four issues origin thing they did. So there's a lot. I mean, they've got a lot up there, and I, there's other publishers too. Um, but DC has not yet. I don't think Image has. I didn't it see in. any. any um, they, 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 the price is right. The price is so right. At nine dollars a month, this is this is easily a bargain for the for the guy who goes out and says, "I never caught up on Civil War," and you can just go and read the graphic no- the graphic novels, which you know it, it, that's that's a sweet spot for this service. Yeah, so nine dollars a month. And yeah. see, and you're not just limited to comics, so that's good. The Man from Uncle Trailer dropped. So yeah, you're excited. Yeah. It looked. Uh, it was. You saw it too. Yeah, yeah. I, I. It's very kinetic. Much obviously more kinetic than the TV series was. The, Here's the what I would guess: is is that the Man from Uncle Tr- movie is going to be what your childhood memory of Man from Uncle actually is, is versus what it actually was. Versus going back and buying the it? buying the big set of. Well, uh, it's Mark Evanier who says there was there was some kind of national conspiracy to go back and reach. It's a thrush plot. To reshoot every episode of Man from Uncle with really cheap sets <laughs> when he watches this as an adult because it seemed so much cooler when he was a kid. Yeah. And now he watches it. Oh no, I, I literally what I had posted is true. I would sneak out of the bedroom and get in yeah. get into the doorway of the living room where my parents could actually couldn't actually see me because I knew they were watching it, and I'd watch it right there in the shadows. Um, but the uh, the uh, they they had a lot of interesting stuff that I never realized I don't remember in the show them ever talking about the fact that it was controversial that Elia was part of the team Russian. because he's Russian because it's set in 63 right yeah, yeah. and so that's he part of the Cold War time and yeah which does make sense I honestly had this confession I think I've watched part of one episode my exposure to Man from Uncle is strictly first through the big little book uh-huh. the Calcutta affair uh, Number, uh, I believe, 12 in the series. No, number 12 is the Invaders alien uh, missile. Uh, I remember both of those. Okay, so uh, the Calcutta Affair, uh, maybe it's book nine uh, in the Big Little Book series, and the uh, Michael Avalon novels from. Right. Uh, you know, so I had a few of those novels and read that. So my experience with The Man from Uncle is strictly literary. You never saw odd. The Man with My Face no, or any no, of the movies? Nope. The movies have been nope. available for a while. Nope. So, uh, you know, but I'm looking forward to this, and it's interesting to see Henry Cavill looking certainly suave and cool. Oh, he looked really cool. And he sounded he, really you know, cool, too. a far too. cry from his uh, Count of Monte Cristo days when he was the guy, oh, look at that chubby actor. Um, yeah, he's ripped. And uh, Army Hammer, maybe not being comedic, 
uh, or not as comedic in the role of Ilya Karyakin. So I'm intrigued by that. We'll see. And then uh, a new versions of Clue, uh, in which, well... Well, it's, it's a new version of well, Clue. Supernatural license, so that uh, you can open a portal to hell? Is that what you're... Uh, I think that's what's got me excited about it. No, in okay. Clue, of course, you had to find the location. The, the No, the victim was always the same. Right. The, the person who did it, the location, and the and the weapon that was used for it. I, I think that this may be the first version of Clue in which there's a motivation for... Uh, the motivation is human sacrifice, right? Uh, and that is the supernatural branded, for, uh, you know, for the TV show Supernatural. I mean, it's a gift to give my daughter. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, which is actually true. Uh, so, but well, it's cool. I mean, I don't watch the series, and I was going, I'd play that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I. And then the, is there a Ghostbusters clue coming? There or? is a upcoming Kickstarter for a Ghostbusters board game. And now, what's cool about the board game is. The sculpted miniatures that they have are beautiful. It's, they've taken oh. the images from the from the cartoon show, and they've just three di- three dimensional. Which those. Ghostbusters is it? Uh, the second one. No, is it the one with the gorilla, or is it the uh, actual? No, it's film? the actual film. It's the film. Yeah. The, okay. The film series. So it's the same. The real Ghostbusters. You know, is the cartoon series. Yeah. yeah. And they have they have a couple of new new demons and stuff, but they've got Slimer. Okay. They've got the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. I find that interesting that they have to do a, or that they can do a Kickstarter because that's got to be Sony based. I, I, I'm surprised they they are doing it, but when you do a Kickstarter, you you generate buzz, and you basically sell it direct at the retail price, if not more. So it's very profitable to fund part of your product development through Kickstarter. Is this the Jewish room line? That's it. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll leave this one because I want to go to a I want to go to a panel about it's ghosts about six minutes from now about ghosts. Uh, ironically, so we're gonna pause the podcast here. We'll be coming back in with probably some audio throughout the rest of the weekend and probably a wrap up of Gallifrey one. And uh, so yeah, we don't, it's not even a time for the regular end. It's nope. just we'll see you Gallifrey one. No, we won't because we'll, this will be out before we're all all done. We're here at Gallifrey One with Keith Barnfather, who runs Time Travel TV. If you want to officially throw in the .com, which we can, TimeTravelTV.com, as it sounds, which is an interesting uh, company. Are you UK-based? Yeah, we're right? UK-based. I mean, our, our production company is Real Time Pictures, which is okay. probably what everybody knows. But um, Time Travel TV is our is our basically it's what we're sort of trying to consider as a web-based television station where people can watch programming streamed or they can watch it um, as a download or they can buy DVDs. I mean, the reason we're here this weekend is essentially to market that website because we need American fans to know that they can get our product now online and they can download it and watch it. It's always been a problem getting our product out here before. Into the, U- into the U.S. Yeah. Now let's talk about what your product is, because it caught my attention yesterday walking through here. Not only documentaries about different corners of the Doctor Who universe, although it's specifically to Doctor Who, or do you do other... Well, I mean, Real Time itself is an independent production company. So we do, uh, in general, we make corporate business television, broadcast television. We're very eclectic. I mean, right now we're working on a 
um, the renovations of a monastery on the tip of Cyprus. It's a historic documentary about a, something. It's like the Lourdes of Cyprus. You know, Lourdes in, in yes. France is that you know it's that kind of thing. So we we really do have a huge variation in what we can do. One of those is because I'm a Doctor Who fan and grew up as watching Doctor Who is Doctor Who spin-offs. Um, and also doing some work for the BBC. We also have done van work for value-added material for their own DVD releases. Um, but, yeah, we've got a, a wide range of documentaries and dramas um, connected with the programme. Right, so what I see here is the Mind Game trilogy, which is bringing together... Uh, actors from the original series and monsters from the original series because as you told me yesterday which I still find stunning the BBC doesn't actually control the rights to everything to, to everything yeah that's they true they have locked it up the writers who created some of these monsters are the ones you have to deal with yeah I mean or get to deal it, with it's um, it goes back right back to 1963 when they originally started making the program and nobody at that time thought that you know, at the BBC or anywhere in, in Britain, particularly, probably more so here. I think producers and directors and corporate corporate entities over here are far more aware of, of branding and of, of rights. But in Britain, the BBC never assumed that any of the kind of things that have happened now would have happened then. So they signed contracts that had really weird exclusions and inclusions within them, um, and. We don't want to, we've never tried to exploit that, but where the rights to a, a monster or to a character were available, we would always go and approach and get a, the, a permission to use that character from the writer. So there are some, and, and also in the case of the BBC, we've done things where we've checked with the BBC and said, would you mind if we use that particular monster? Because the BBC would own the design of the creature. You know? mm-hmm. I, think, I think what we've done is anything is, is in some ways supported the BBC, not in, in the sense we're small, they're huge, but when Doctor Who wasn't being made, I think it was people like us and Big Finish and companies that were still making Doctor Who related material, kept it alive. I think maybe there wouldn't have been the fan base for when the programme came back that is as strong and organised as it is now. Right, so would you consider these like Big Finish, uh, which is very big with audio drama, you're, you're, you're kind of the spin-offs of, because you haven't used a Doctor, but they're still set in the Doctor Who universe, if you will. That's right. I mean, obviously, Big Finish are a licensed company, so they make official Doctor Who merchandise. Ours has never been official merchandise. You know, we don't use the Doctor Who branding, nor would we ever want to. Um, a lot of us, all of our documentaries, like Myth Makers, is, is completely complimentary, but not Doctor Who. It's a, an interview series. We've made nearly 150 individual documentaries with actors and actresses from cult TV, but mainly Doctor Who. Um, people like John Pertwee, who's no longer with us, um, Liz Slane, sadly. People that, you know, if we hadn't have interviewed them about their career in Mythmakers, that memory wouldn't be kept alive. Mm-hmm. And so if for someone who doesn't know anything about, about these, they're discovering it, hopefully through our podcast, what, what would you consider a great starting point with your material? Well, the first thing I'd say is go to timetraveltv.com and well have a played, look. Well played, well <laughs> played. But... Um, I, I would say, look at the catalogue, look what we've got. I don't think you'd have a problem finding something that would interest you. If you if you like the stories behind the series, we've got programmes like I Was a Doctor Who Monster, which tells the story of all the poor people who were inside the Daleks and the Cybermen inside the rubber masks. That was actually an idea from Sylvester McCoy. He wanted to make it and asked us if we could do it. 
interesting. Um, so you've been, it's been driven as much by it can be, some yes. of the actors. Yeah, I mean, we're always interested in ideas. Every once in a while, we'll get a suggestion from somebody else. Um, we had a suggestion from a shop who said that if we did a documentary about Longleat 83, the huge, big BBC famous convention that was held at Longley over a long weekend we would sell it and we made it and boy did we sell it you know so sometimes we with the, the ideas are suggested to us yeah, so you're capturing history and moving it forward yeah. all right um, and so you said you're going into sort of almost like an online channel. Are you doing a subscription-based service, or it's people buy programming one by one? At the moment, because we're just starting it, we're just going for purchasing. I mean, you can buy, or you can stream, or you can download, or you can buy the DVD. I'd say for American fans, probably downloading or streaming is, is the way to go, because you don't have that problem of the American Postal Service destroying a DVD in the post, which I, I hear that anything on the East Coast arrives okay, anything on the West Coast has been completely destroyed. I have no idea why, and I apologize to the Postal Service if that isn't true. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for protecting us legally. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the time. That was very interesting, and uh, we'll put up a link uh, once again. Your uh, your site is? Time Travel D- Do that again. TimeTravelTV.com. I thought like we had time travel there for just a moment. Whoa. Oh, okay. Deja Thank vu. you so much for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, we are here once again at Gallifrey One with Dan Starkey, who is, among other things on Doctor Who, Strax, and yes. most recently Ian the Elf from Last Christmas, the Christmas special. So, um, as we're noticing here, you've been fantastic signing autographs and with panels and so forth. And this is your second time at Gallifrey One. Yes. What kind of, what do you think the difference is in reaction between, like, say, British fandom for Doctor Who and, and being here in the United States? Um, I don't know. I think, I think fandom in general, so especially with Doctor Who fandom, it's all very warm and it all comes from a very good place and sort of, like, people come up to you and no one's come up to me and told me that they can't stand Strax, so that's, that's well, nice. But, um, but no, it's who can hate him? They're just a great. Yes. <laughs> But it's no, it's 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 lovely, especially with with Gallifrey One. It's, it's got a really great atmosphere because it's a it's a sizable convention now with like three thousand five hundred people or so. But it feels very intimate and it's a very sort of safe place for people just to sort of come along and just share their enthusiasms together. And it's just if you feel very relaxed walking around and sort of yeah. Was there any way to be prepared for the fan reaction when you became Strax or became involved with Doctor Who in the first place? Sorry, can you say? Was there again? any way to be prepared for fan? Re- were you prepared for fan reaction? Um, I, 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 well, it's, it's lovely how um, how popular he's become. Um, I thought, sort of like, with a good man goes to war, that I thought this is possibly a character that's going to be remembered. But with him becoming some semi regular, it's lovely how people have sort of latched onto the character and he's become that kind of uh, a kind of loved you know, part of it. But also the part of Noster Gang as well. But we sort of all gelled together. We sort of gelled, gelled together as, as, as people and performers as well. And, sort of, and it seemed like three fully formed characters that could have a, a life. You know, outside the single episode they, were, they appeared. Well, I so, might ask yeah. you, do you think the spin-off for the Paternoster Gang would be a good idea? Oh, I think, I think we'd definitely be up for it. It's just logistically whether it's possible, so it's kind of a... Right. Okay. Um, it's all very exciting here. It's uh, <laughs> we're nearly cargo, over. yes. So, I, I don't know about your process as an actor, but do you have a key line to get into character as tracks, or do you just find yourself in that makeup and boom, you're there? Yeah, no, definitely the makeup is a big part of it as well, because in the morning I get in there very early, and once they've stuck it on my head, then I can doze in the chair, and then I wake up and then there's tracks in the mirror, so it's kind of, um, so it's, it's quite strange psychologically <laughs> when that happens. But, uh, and the first couple of times, the first couple of times I had it on, it was that weird thing of, um, yeah, just seeing this different face in the mirror. 
and how gosh it looks uh, actually the first time the first time I had, I had it on I thought that looks like an obese Steven Seagal there was something about the shape of the nose <laughs> and sort of slightly sort of yeah slightly closer together eyes but, um, um, but yeah it was um, do you worry about the compression of your head on a regular basis as a long-term effect? I think, no, I think you know, they're, they're, they're quite respectful of it. And the prosthetics technicians from Millennium Effects, my, uh, my, my, my usual sort of prosthetic is called, is called Becca, and she's very good about sort of uh, knowing when I'm getting tired and, like, and actually sort of going, OK, Dan needs a rest now, or Dan needs a drink. And that's, their, that's, that's the, the, team's, the team on set. There's a team on set whose job it is to make sure that I'm protected as a performer. So mm-hmm. there are structures enabled to stop me keeling over. And Yes. If you could have any say on, on Strax's character development, yeah. what would you have happen for him? What would you want to see happen? Growth or stay the same and just Yeah, I mean I think I think the obvious thing is, is seeing seeing Strax in comparison with other Sontarans. Other more reconstruct unreconstructed Sontarans, you know, whether or not despite the fact I think there's a nice tension and it was also in um, there was a little extra that we did called uh, Demons Run Two Days After, mm-hmm. which is where you see Vastra and Jenny sort of like a uh, tempting Strax to, into their world, and Strax has got a lot of pride, and he's like, "I thank you for your, I thank you for your offer, but I'm unable to take you, take up on it because you are protesting in filth." And um, but then you can sort of see this kind of, oh, actually, I would quite like to, and there is that sort of slightly, the better part of his nature. Well, to, in our perception, the better part of his nature is winning out over things, and he has a great, he has a great loyalty to the Doctor, even though he wouldn't admit it. That's the thing. I think he has a deep, a deep set of... You know, he respects Vastra because she's a great warrior. Jenny also holds a rank in the house, and so he understands that. So it's that whole sort of thing of understanding the world from his perspective, which is a ridiculous militaristic one. Mm-hmm. And um, I hold the rank of butler, so I have these duties. But <laughs> it, 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 it is that kind of thing. He will... You know, he is very honest, and he is very... He is polite and psychotic. So it, it's, that sort of, it's that sort of strange combination of things that sort of... You get that make him quite endearing. He is actually quite well-meaning... In his way, he has just a different value system from something we'd read recognize. Yeah. So, yeah. And you mentioned being on the big finish, and, and that you you've been you're one of the few actors, I suppose, who has essentially worked with every. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess living doctor. Yeah. Right? Except possibly Apart the from nine. Chris Wagner. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and you have the honor uh, this year. You were there in Deep Breath, and then you were in yes. Masters of Two Different Characters, and you got to yeah. see the growth. Yeah. of Capaldi what were the differences when you went in for that first episode and then you went in for this episode this oh year? well Peter by his own admission so like he's sort of um, in between one of the takes he was like just please bear with me guys because I do know these lines but it's my first day playing the new Doctor Who and I'm quite nervous and we are like no it's fine it's really you know, we, we all want to help you and it was, it was great but all the production team was sitting behind the monitors and sort of going yes that's brilliant yeah. and it was so exciting you could see, you could see these flashes of uh, I could see a flash of John Pertwee or a flash of Tom Baker going no that's actually the Doctor that he's channelling and it was amazing seeing the, the essence of the characters like, just bursting into life as well and um, but as I say over the course of the course of the fortnight that I was filming with him um, and had, I had lunch with him a couple of times and I think it was that sort of reality of the reality of it dawning that you can pe- you can prepare yourself intellectually for being the new Doctor Who up to a point, but then the actual you know, the actual reality hits and you go, okay, lots of things. This is part of my life now, and it was that kind of. Um, and I think because he was such a fan of the show when he was a kid as well, he really respects it, and he has that kind of that sort of that that, that love for it as well, and knows what it means to certain you know like sort of children or sort of people who invest in it. You know, he's he's got that real respect for it as well. And then when I came back to do Last Christmas, obviously he'd been doing he'd done an entire season. And so I think he was much more steady on his feet about, so like, this is my show. And he and Jenna would like, take themselves away because, you know, the amount of lines they've got to learn week on week. 
So they were, you could see them really working well as a discrete unit together. And so like clearly two actors who so like really respect each other and sort of spark off each other so like really well. Now looking at that sort of season in between the Doctor and Clara and how that relationship has been mined, they must know each other very well as performers as well. And sort of, mm-hmm. but yeah, you got the feeling that they sort of like they, they really trusted each other and sort of with what they were kind of doing as well. Um, and also at the same time, they were sort of, you know very sort of welcoming to the to the guest actors as well. But it was funny kind of. Um, because after a couple of days, I did sort of. I was sitting on the table, on the sort of little table with biscuits, um, uh, with uh, Michael Troughton and um, uh, and and Maureen Beattie and, and the rest of the and uh, Faye Marseille and all the rest of the cast, and sort of talking about. So, oh yeah, because yes, when we were here with the first one, they went, oh right, so you were in the first one? Because so I watched that and I don't know, like, yeah, I'm Strax, and they were all going, oh that's you, <laughs> and it was that whole weird thing. It was like I'm, I'm sort of regular in this as well, but it's like it's kind of uh, it's interesting and. Yeah, but, but also it was, it was an interesting job. So, like, kind of being a guest artist, where I sort of knew everybody on set. It's kind of, uh, but it, it was lovely. And, well, that must yeah. have been an intriguing. Experience. Yes, and being able to hear things as well. It's it's, it's interesting because Doctor Who was my very first television job as well, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain grammar to being on a film set as to what's going on because you'd be forgiven for not knowing what's going on. It just takes ages, and everyone's waiting around. So, what are we doing? Um, but over the years, I've understood more about the process. But I think I'd understand that a lot more quickly if I could hear things and see things and I wasn't dressed as a monster yes. so it's, it's, it's interesting understanding the technical processes around things it's easy to do that when you don't have your senses encumbered so it's kind of a yeah now you mentioned um, stage work yes uh, in the yeah. panel we just attended yeah. and, and so I, I, I do want to call some attention to it because I was fascinated by this I guess fake radio drama yes, you do yes the Fitzrovia Radio Hour yes so, uh, so once yeah. again what it is it? the Fitzrovia Radio Hour alright yes. and uh, describe it because uh, the Fitzrovia Radio is a show that I've been involved in for about the last five or six years, and it's a group of actors, uh, all of my own acquaintance, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a company that puts on... The conceit is, is that the, the, the audience in the theatre are the studio audience for a 1940s or 1930s radio show that's being broadcast out live to the Empire over the wireless. And so we have these ridiculous pulp scripts... Sort of like the man who was ten minutes late, or he should have known his place. All these, all of them are kind of, um, are kind of like a, 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 a genre. So there's science fiction, there's thriller, there's espionage. Um, Rex Boothroyd, the King and Country. Um, and so the audience is watching this kind of anthology program of so like three, three of these stories, uh, plus adverts, mm-hmm. plus sponsors. Um, but they're watching it live. So we're all in dinner suits, and we have chrome microphones. And we have a uh, prop table with all the sound effects going on. So the company has to take it in turns to sort of punch the cabbage or sort of like smash a bottle. Just like, uh, get away from me, you blackguard. Whatever. So it's, um, so there's, but there's two stories going on. They're listening to the stories that the audience will be listening to at home. And also they're seeing the stories of the performers interacting with each other on stage. So there's one character who just clearly doesn't get on with everybody else. He does his job on sufferance because he's far too good for it. Or there's the, there's, 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 there's the couple who are kind of having the affair, but they don't want to, anybody else to know about it. So there's two stories sort of like going on at the same time. And so the show that we've been doing most recently is a version of Dracula. So it's, 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 it's kind of like doing the show that we've been doing for the last five years, but we're kind of doing it in widescreen, because it's, it's, it, we're doing it with a, in, in, uh, a co-production with a, with a, with a, regi- with a regional theatre in the UK. So it's kind of, um, we've got a sort of lovely set, and it's all sort of in white tie, and it's, and it's all fab, but it's... It's a version of Dracula being recorded by the BBC drama uh, company in uh, 1937. And uh, it's a very stormy night. And uh, we have a special guest actor uh, with this production, uh, Count Alucard, all the way from Romania. 
and over the course of the recording it becomes obvious that Kent Alucard actually is a bit too suited to the role than he might be and uh, starts eating members of the cast. So obviously the audience listening, lost listening to the wires at home aren't aware of this, but uh, the audience in the theatre can see all of this transpiring, so it's, um, yeah... I guess in the way you described that with the audience at home, is like, is there an audience at home? Are you broadcasting these? Are you podcasting these? And I think we, we, I, it, it's early days, but we're looking into ways of perhaps sort of uh, put, putting some of these online. So, uh, so Fantastic. Yes. We'll yes. be looking forward to those. Absolutely. Sure. And, and, and I will, I will be tweeting out links uh, uh, left, right and centre for all those things. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. And what's your Twitter hat tag? My hashtag is at uh, Stan Darkly. S-T-A-N-D-A-R-K-L-E-Y. It's right. a clever pun about ten years ago, and then I realised it's actually quite difficult to spell. So. <laughs> it's all right if it's a character. <laughs> yes. You can come stand yeah. darkly in hotels, yes. right? You check yes. in that way. Yeah. Thank you so much for it's your time. Right. Well, that was our coverage from Gallifrey One. Of course, you can find the podcast, this episode, and many episodes, all of the episodes, on iTunes. Please rate us, review us, tell your friends, and subscribe. You can also do this on the Stitcher app. You can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. If uh, you heard about something on here that you'd like to purchase and you can't find it at your local business, you can follow the Amazon link on the website. Or go to Gallifrey next year. Uh, go to Gallifrey next year. Or if you'd like to help us go to Gallifrey next next year, please donate on the PayPal link. If you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. Debbie Bresnett. I'm Stephanie Rodriguez. And I'm Rick Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www. The Great Luke L U K E S K I dot com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs> <laughs> Fanboy. This is that we are here and why. So yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to, yeah chime in that's why i put you guys on this side of the table so we should interview we should introduce everybody at the table just i think like, she's gonna speak she's not gonna speak well that's in tradition though yeah we always we introduced her yeah. even when she didn't speak before but yeah okay yeah. and she'll speak whether she's introduced or not so might as well <laughs> she's got the expression that says no i won't <laughs> but it's that face that goes Yes, yes, well, I if will. I say something that will irritate you, <laughs> or if, if I, I say something, if I diss Gotham, <laughs> <laughs> all right, ready? Yep. Listen up, fanboy. Oh. Yeah, so these guys going because they're saying what? Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet podcast. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Pose a picture of the three. Oh, oh certainly. Yes. Oh, please. You're in the front middle. I got one in front, too, but, you know, everybody's mouse open. They're great. Great. Right. Thank you. Okay. One more. One last favor. Could you do a bumper for us? Just yeah. Yes. Our, our, our call sign is remember 
use your powers only for good. Now, okay. if Strax could say yes. that, that would be absolutely amazing. Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, start by identifying yourself too. Yes. This is Commander Strax in the guise of. Wrong oh, mic, a little too much. I didn't bring up. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good. This is Commander Strax in the guise of his pitiful human alter ego, Dan Starkey. Remember, use your powers only for good, or you will be obliterated in the most merciless way credible. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you.